0: Welcome to the Lasallian Way Online, a digital series produced by Christian Brothers University's Center for Digital Instruction in Memphis, Tennessee. In each episode, we focus on topics in online education and approach them from the Lasallian tradition. St. John Baptist de La Salle created a culture of student-centered teaching and learning focused on transforming the whole person. We aspire to follow the Lasallian Way online.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Christian Brothers University's LaSallian Way Online. We're happy that you've joined us today. I'm happy that the the CDI team is with us. Um, So let's start by introducing ourselves. And before we get too far down this road, I want to tell you we have uh, a returner with us. (laughs) Kyle Papura has rejoined the team, and we are so thrilled to have him with us. So we'll start, first of all, then, with Kyle. Introduce yourselves. Tell us uh, who you are and what you do.
2: All right. Dale, thanks. It's, it is great to be back, y'all. My name is Kyle Papura, and I am an instructional designer. Recently returned from kind of private practice, I suppose you'd say, and so glad to be back on this team and in, back at the CBU family.
1: Happy to have you, Kyle. Next up would be Chantelle.
3: Hello, I'm Chantelle Bryant, one of the instructional designers on the team, and really excited about today's interview with Dr. Clayanne Panetta.
1: Excellent. Next up would be Loreen.
0: Hi, my name's uh, Lorreen Kelly, and I'm also with the Center for Digital Instruction. I am not an instructional designer, but I work with students, and I'm so excited to have Dr. Panetta on the show today because she supports uh, students on campus as well as students online. And uh, it's just, it's, it's thrilling to see that kind of, this quality that we're gonna talk about today of uh, support for students online and on campus.
4: Excellent. Next is Scott. Hello everyone, I'm Scott McPherson, an instructional designer here at the Center for Digital Instruction at Christian Brothers University
1: and i am dr dale hale i am the director of the center for digital instruction and the dean of the global college uh, as you've heard we have a guest a special guest with us dr clan panetta uh, she is the uh, a professor in cbu's department of literature and language and the and the director of the writing and communication corner or the wcc um, The WCC is built on a writing center model that can be found on college campuses across the country. CBU's WCC is housed in a beautiful space on our CBU campus. And long before the pandemic, the WCC provided virtual opportunities for this critical level of student support. Uh, We are thrilled to have you with us, Dr. Panetta. Uh, Would you introduce yourself just a little bit for us?
5: Sure. I've I've been at CBU for 23 years, and all of that time, I've been the WCC director, uh, and I've been in the Department of Literature and Languages. I teach primarily uh, classes in the English for Corporate Communications program, uh, which is a one of the, the degrees in the Literature and Languages department. Uh, the WCC has grown over the last uh, 23 years. We were in the basement of the library when I first came, and now we're in the beautiful, Rosa Deal building. So that's something definitely I'm pretty proud of. And uh, we enjoy working with students from across campus uh, on all kinds of communicative projects. Uh, my primary research is in intercultural communication, specifically intercultural rhetoric. And uh, I use that when I train consultants to work with students across campus. Great.
1: Thank you. We're happy to have you. And the, the service that you and your team provide is second to none. It is really good um, and, and very helpful to every student uh, across the whole institution. So we're happy to have you. So we're gonna jump into this now. We're gonna ask you a few questions um, and we look forward to this conversation with you. Uh, Lorreen, I think you're gonna start us out, right?
0: Yeah. I, I just. I wanted first to set the stage because um, LaSalle and Way Online, this is a podcast that, that we like to share, uh, you know, with anyone who wants to listen, not just people here at CBU. And Clan, um, I believe what this, the Writing and Communication Corner, it is part of kind of a, a larger network um, and has a, a philosophy shared across networks. So can you tell us about that? Because there may be people listening that, that have this or something similar to it on their campus.
5: Absolutely. Um, The Consultants and I, or the whole WCC, is a member of both the International Writing Centers Association and the Southeastern Writing Centers Association, and we attend conferences for both of those organizations yearly uh, during the pandemic. That was all online, but typically we will uh, attend in person actually the first time since the pandemic we went to Vancouver in the in the fall to the IWCA conference. and we hosted the SWCA, the Southeastern Writing Centers Association conference here in Memphis in February um, at the guest house at Graceland. And when we attend those conferences and in our involvement in those organizations, we do a lot of research, um, uh, original research, IRB supported research, and it was really because uh cBU undergraduates have just shined in presenting uh, research alongside graduate students, so we don 't have a lot of graduate students on campus, and i don 't have anyone on staff typically and um, so alongside graduate students and other directors that i I received a, a little bit of a nudge to to think about hosting here in Memphis, and we ended up doing that in February. So, yes, we're a member of a bigger community. Writing Center is the the small w, little c word for all kinds of organizations like ours. We call ours the Writing and Communications Corner. Um, There are writing and communication centers. There are writing studios. um, Some are named after people who gave a lot of money and that sort of thing. But Writing Center is the generic word to cover all of those sorts of organizations.
0: Now, I know one of the reasons that we have you here on Lasallian Way Online um, is you do have this physical space, but um, as we said in the intro, you were really um, moving in the direction uh, of uh, virtual support um, even before the pandemic and and certainly delivered that during the pandemic. So um, tell us about why, and and I know you even have special software to, to really enhance that experience for students. So tell us why that was important long before people were thinking about remote services during the pandemic.
5: Sure. Uh, Well, everyone couldn't always make it to campus. We had non-traditional students. We had commuters. uh, We had students who may have gone home for uh, a holiday, but a paper was due right after spring break. Uh, Those kinds of scenarios were always a part of uh, our existence. And so, yes, we do. We use WC Online, which is is kind of an industry standard for writing centers to use. And uh, we've been using it well, I think we probably bought, uh, bought into it maybe in 2004. It's, we've had it for many, many years, and I've seen it grow over the years, and the online option has grown wonderfully over the years. And what it does is give two different options. Um, there can be an, a real-time uh, meeting with students, and it's kind of like a, a Zoom sort of call, except for the focus is not on the student's, the person's face, as you would see on a Zoom or a WebEx or a Teams meeting, you—it's the focus is on the paper, so the paper comes up, and that's the main part of the screen. And there's a small little um, um, uh, area at the bottom where you see someone's face, and they can still have the the, the video option. And then there's a chat. Embedded as well. So if someone's audio isn't working, the chat can still work and that kind of thing, but the, both the consultant and the student can manipulate the paper with different colors and things like that. And uh, then that's one option for a real time option. And then there's a written feedback option where students can. Put their upload their paper into the system, uh, the consultant retrieves it, writes comments on it, and sends it back. And they can also interact with each other in a lot of ways, but that's not a real-time situation. So we, we were doing that for many, many years. Uh, but before, I only would have maybe two or three consultants trained to do that. They were my online consultants. They, they did face-to-face as well, but they would be trained and take, take them – to take care of those students who needed the situation of that that resource. Uh, I was thinking about that today or yesterday, they came in our into our space to do that. They did all of that online consulting in our space. Uh, they didn't do it at home. We've learned how to do things at home now, but they used to actually, and I don't know why we didn't think about that they could have done it anywhere, but they would come into our space and they would be like, I'm doing online stuff, be quiet kind of thing. Um, but we did learn how to to go home and do those things now. yes, those are the reasons why we did it long before. And then once we uh, went into quarantine, I just said, okay, everyone has to be trained. And we had this, the software is so um, user friendly. It wasn't hard to do. And so we, we just went online pretty easily. It was pretty seamless, actually. What a
1: wonderful, I'm so sorry. go ahead, go, go,
4: go Scott. That's that's, that's a wonderful setup. Um, I'm thinking back to my college days and if there was a WDC to like submit my paper to before turning it in, uh, it it seems to free up a lot of time with the student and the instructor. Do you have a lot of buy in uh, at campus already where maybe uh, the instructors are saying, have you submitted this to the WCC before you turn it into us?
5: Yes, we we work hard not to require uh, visits to us because we want we don't want it to seem like punishment or a remediation or anything like that. Um, some instructors um, won't require it, but really encourage strongly, like give extra credit or maybe they'll give them an extra day if uh, to before they turn in a paper if they will go by the WCC. Um, and there's a variety of different ways professors will get really close to requiring, but they, but they always will say it's for everyone. It's not just for the students who are struggling. Uh, but yes, I have a buy-in from engineering, sciences, arts, um, business, all of, and I, and, uh, over the years, of course, I know a lot of people who've been there as long as I have. And so it's nice when those folks will tell the new people, hey, you want to make sure that you, you hook up with that. And, and a student uh, faculty will bring their whole class over sometimes for an orientation, but also to do a lesson. Um, for instance, we did, um, a lab report workshop for a variety of science majors, uh, that was really focused on the beginning years of, of, taking science classes when they had to write lab reports, the 200 level sort of science classes. And um, a faculty member from sciences came over as well as some consultants who are in the sciences. The consultants, by the way, are hired from across disciplines. They're not a bunch of English majors, although I do have some of those. But uh, so a couple of the consultants who are who are science majors, as well as one of their professors led this workshop in our in our space. So that's just one example. And then we'll do a creative writing workshop um the next week so we we try to cover it all but my the key for us to uh continue doing what we're doing is to have that faculty buy-in that faculty connection i have to have them supporting me i can't do all of that by myself because if i tell students you need to come and see me i'm just another professor telling them what to do and they don't know me um but also the consultants are wonderful to to help promote our services as well because a peer consultant is just it goes a long way
1: so clay and back in the in the early days of of the writing center back when you were in the basement of the the library uh it's a new concept i take it back then at least it was new for cbu uh how did you advertise who you were and what you were And then what did you do to to get the faculty and the students then to to recognize the importance of of the service that you provided? And how long did that take?
5: Uh, Well, it took a lot of work. I I went to lots of departmental meetings, lots of school meetings. Um, I had to make sure that for instance, the engineering faculty didn't see me just as another truth and beauty person from the School of Arts telling them what to do. Uh, Fortunately, I teach a lot of technical writing and scientific writing. Those kinds of things are important to me, so I can speak the language a little bit, so I would make sure I did that. And I just sort of made buddies across campus. I, I made friends with faculty across campus and then just let it spread that way. And then when students would come uh, to our space and then improve or finally get it or something like that, it was helpful. I also used my consultants who were from across majors. i, I remember remembering the early days. He graduated in 2005 uh, a biology major who is now a radiologist who he lives in Nashville he's a radiologist but he used to um, talk to all of his professors you need to bring your students over you need to bring your students over and he would bring it we had a brother brother Edward who taught in the biology department when this particular student I won't say his name in case he's embarrassed but he would bring over um, his faculty member uh, at, brother Edward uh, to come and talk to us and then brother Edward of course would then And take this information to his students. So just just keeping massaging the, the conversation. And when I would run into people in the hallway... Have you sent your students over to the WCC? You do know that we work with lab reports. We, we, research papers, yes, but all of these other things as well. And now that people are doing more multimodal things with video and podcast, we get a lot of podcast assignments, uh, believe it or not. Um, we, can, we can now say those things. Like, uh, you're doing an art project, let's talk about your art project. Your speech, yes. That acting class, yes. And... Um, yeah, so I just keep talking about it all the time. I run into people in the hallway, and because I've been around for a while and people know me, so that that does help. But in those early days, it was just keeping the conversation alive was primarily what I did. And yeah. kind
2: of a kind of a follow up to the, to that. You know, our listeners come from across the higher ed spectrum, but especially for those listeners who now are interested and in, might want to try to get some similar program maybe off the ground, or they that kernel of that program and they want to sort of expand it, could you give us a couple of advice tips, I guess, from your own experience about how they might be able to either move into that space or broaden that space if they already have a footprint?
5: Well, it it does take a lot of work. It does require all of those conversations I was talking about earlier. But one thing that I did learn as we, when we moved to our new space and we had more space to do things, we were always wanting to do workshops, but it was hard to do workshops because we didn't have the space. So we would have to reserve a classroom, but that didn't feel connected to us. We were in another building at another time, and it didn't ever feel like it was us. So when we got to our space, the consultants who came over with me, and I talked about this, they knew, we can do workshops, we can do all kinds of things. And uh, so we started putting things together, and oh, let's do a Teams workshop. How to work in Teams? Let's do a this and like a psychology, APA workshop, and all kinds of ideas. And I, I realized quickly because I'm the only person. I'm the I'm the only director. I don't have an assistant. I don't have graduate students. I don't have the extra help that a lot of places might have so, uh, I would, I turned to the consultants, if you want to run a workshop, let's do it, and a lot of them were, they're wonderful CPU students, and they were like, yes, I want to do this workshop on this thing, but they were busy, like, some of them had other jobs, or they, they were straight-A students, they were trying to get jobs, they were doing internships, they were doing, so all of that was hard to do, and they wanted to do it, I wanted to do it, so what we ended up doing, and this is Something I've ta- talked to colleagues about it in other situations, and, it, and everyone pauses and says, what a great idea. The consultants, this actually came from them. It was very organic. They divided themselves up into teams. So we have an outreach team. We have a coordinating team, an, a marketing team, an analysis team. And each each team, they all teams have a lead. They're, the teams are, are senior consultants, lead consultants. But the, the outreach team will reach out to, like the biology, professor or the engineering professor and say, hey, we want to do this workshop. Do you want to team with us? They find out only that information. When's a good date? Do you want to do it? Then they're done. And then the coordinating team figures out, well, how, how is it going to be um, a classrooms kind of session? Is it going to be workshoppy? Uh, do, are we going to do food and beverages? They, they figure out those things and then they're done. Marketing does the flyers, the, the social media, Uh, the connection, the copy into the connection, puts uh, the copy on our website, which is essentially the same thing but in different kind of formats. And then after the fact, the analysis team comes in and figures out um, how well did it go? uh, How well was it attended? And they take that information, hand it back to the outreach team and they can use that information when they outreach the next time. So it's a circular sort of thing. So that way, I'm not burdened with because I have to teach my classes still, and I still have to do lots of other things, committees and things like that because I'm faculty as well. Um, and, and things happen that way; it's it's con- constantly. And they talk to each other. And we even pulled it off during our quarantine during the pandemic. We did things online. We we did open mic poetry. We did research questions answered workshops. We I was really impressed with how well we were. So that I would. I, my biggest piece of advice is to, like, use the staff, but not overwhelm the staff. Use them for their talents and then make make them have the small chunks and then the bigger picture. Now, we have to have lots of meetings. and I'm behind the scenes. Um, in the beginning days, I would say email the director of the library and say the following things. Here's your paragraph. <laughs> but over time, they... They've kind of learned, and they don't need me to do that as much. I'm, I'm always pulling the strings and making sure we have a, a calendar and timeline, and um, we always have a date. If it's not going to work, we have to know that everything's in place by this date. We call it the drop dead date. So if it's not, if everything's not in place by this date, it's not happening. Moving on to the next thing, and we just have to let it go. <laughs> That's so that ha- happens as well. Most of the time, though, we don't use that date. We we use it is we don't want this to go away so we've got we've got to make sure this happens so I that was I put that in place because I, I thought we, we can't just be planning things at the last minute and um, it seems like a motivator now so I keep it um.
3: Dr. Panetta I love what you've just mentioned I, I keep hearing a recurring theme of community and it really feels like a lot of the success of the writing center and i think i even we have a language center um it it just seems like a lot of the successes of these things even the work that we do as a team online we're finding is community whether that community is in person online or a hybrid mixture of each we are reaching out to each other and, and building connections and relationships and even the circular uh, team that you just mentioned a second ago, each, each group has a job to do, and they're reaching out to people face-to-face, online, and passing the information along, building relationships. I just really wanted to applaud you for that, for continuing uh, to just build community, whether wherever it is.
5: And that is a big theme of what we do in our physical space. We want to make sure it is a place of belonging, which is a retention tool, but also just necessary. It's Lasallian for sure. And uh, But I also, in online work, I tell the consultants every bit of the spirit that we have in the space needs to be alive as well online. So when you respond to people's papers, make sure you use language that's Lasallian. And we talk about what that is and um, one day a consultant said, oh no, I forgot to see if this is a, a male or a female. And I, I did I say any kind of gender that she was freaking out? She'd already sent a written feedback, an asynchronous feedback. She'd already sent it. She's like, did I say anything? Did I misgender this person? And she, this was such a small thing to so many people. But I, that was, I'm like, you are, you're doing exactly what you've been trained to do. And she was so happy that she had not misgendered someone, but she, she said, I, I, I was in a hurry and, and she was worried about that seemingly small thing, but not so small to an individual who, where, you know, community could be lost and they may never come back if that happens. So yeah, we, I tell them uh, community online as much as in person, as much as you can what we're supposed to be doing.
4: It's wonderful to hear you supporting like the critical consciousness and that we have those um, uh, students and resources that want to make sure that when they reach out that everyone feels included and and inclusive, which kind of um, brings me to this next question. When I was doing some research for the podcast, I saw you had the background in contrastive rhetoric and I just learned about that today. I was hoping you could speak about it a little bit and how that's impactful when you develop inclusive and empathetic courses uh, for learners with diverse backgrounds, like you were talking about earlier.
5: Sure, sure. Uh, well, Contrastive Rhetoric, in a nutshell, recognizes that, um, well, it's focused primarily on People who speak other, whose first language is not English, multilingual learners, and it recognizes that the differences are not necessarily surface level, like translation or verb usage. Those things exist, but those are not really the big. um, I think that someone might notice with a multi-language learner it's more like organization or how one makes one's argument uh, we're very direct in america and i'm stereotyping hugely but we traditionally might be more direct and whereas another culture might be more circular in reasoning and things like that although we have some circular reasonings going on here it all gets really mixed together but the the bottom line is for a multilingual learner, they might not necessarily they might not have learned the five paragraph theme or something like that um, i 've taken that sort of bottom line notion and, and acknowledged that um, any kind of background might mean that someone didn 't learn to write or communicate the same way as they 're now being asked to communicate at the academy. And so, um, in the the consultants, I'll say I'll, I'll clarify they take academic uh, credit bearing classes when they get hired, and they learn writing center theory. Writing center uh, writing center theory is a whole field of study. Unlike. Um, like, other, I won't, I won't go into more detail, but it's a whole field of study. People do their dissertations on writing center theory. It's a whole field of study. So they learn the basics of writing center theory and writing center pedagogy, and one of those things is, is talking about what we now will call linguistic justice. So when, when someone will bring a communicative project into the space, We don't start trying to either Americanize it or make it sound like the academy wants it. Yes, there's an assignment, and yes, there's a place it needs to get to, but in that process, people are able to use multiple, multiple languages. It's not unusual to hear only Spanish in our physical space, and it's not unusual for someone to write, even asynchronously, a response to a paper in Spanish because we have a, a large Spanish-speaking population. Uh, but there's also another thing called translanguaging. If someone, if, if um, consultant Carrie, for instance, has, um, who doesn't speak another language other than English, and someone comes in who speaks Arabic or, or, or French or Spanish, Spanish, she can still work with them she's trained how to work with them in it's called translanguaging sort of meshing in language and her language as well as their languages and kind of mix it together and even though she doesn't understand the language she's able to do that so linguistic justice is right to one's one's own language one is accents and everything entering into the into the draft is something that we would applaud um, if the student wants us to help them get rid of those sorts of things we'll help them do that but we don't tell them they have to do that it's not required and yes they might need to write a history paper or a uh, a business case study and it needs to have certain attributes to it and we'll get them to that place but um, in the journey we don't undermine their language or their cultural uh, inheritance that does that make sense I'm trying to make it into a nutshell but that's
4: it really just sounds like it covers all the lasallian basis when you're talking about the wcc well, yes.
3: i really love that too oh it just reminds me of the the art of translation um if if we're trying to write in one language you might need to understand it in in your own personal language or culture so that so that you can try to put it in another form. And I really love how you all, I learned a lot of new things today, translanguaging, linguistic justice, writing center theory and pedagogy, th- these are all very interesting. Um, and it just reminds me of, um, I mentioned sometimes that I that I take French courses and I like to do that because it pushes me into a different space. It's not a place where I'm highly successful (laughs) and I like to continue learning and I dropped into a conversation um, recently where the goal was for everyone to speak in the, the language. And you know we could only speak as much as we could speak, and so sometimes you're really trying to get a, an idea across, and you had to stop and speak English. And the people around didn't make a big deal of it. They we talked franglais for a little while, and then we we were all using our phones to look up information, and then we went back and tried to say whatever it was we were trying to say again in French. And it was it was very helpful to be able to do that. I wasn't giving up, but I needed some support. <laughs> and it sounds like exactly what you're doing. I really love that with the writing. Um, to to sometimes we need just some support to help us get from one step to the next.
5: There was there was a student once who whose first language was not English. Her first language was fa- Spanish, and a couple of. Um, As it turned out, she she came to work with us, and she said, I really would love to have a Spanish speaker, someone who speaks Spanish fluently. And no one was working, this is in our physical space, no one was working at the time who spoke Spanish. So I sent, we we have a group meeting, so I sent out a message, any Spanish speakers available right now? And two just showed up at my door. They were like super people. They walked in. They might as well had should have had an S on their on I their love shirt. It. <laughs> and one went on one side of her, and the other one went on the other side of her. And they just, I, I, I should have taken a picture. It was just lovely. And um, one of them came to me and said, I think the professor doesn't understand um, the language barrier. Is it okay if I go and speak to the professor and and, and explain what I'm seeing? And I, which I empower the consultants to do that, not to confront the professor or anything like that, but they have information that the professor may not have run across. And it was incredibly helpful for that student. The professor had not, did not know some Instant, some stuff with a language barrier that the consultant had kind of rooted out, and the student was really successful after that it was uh, It was one of those nice moments, but if we didn 't have that embedded into the practicum classes they wouldn't have thought to look for it or talk about it. It wasn't just a matter of they're speaking Spanish and helping her in Spanish. It was it was a lot of cultural things about the way she expressed herself, the way she was using resources that really made a difference in how she wasn't achieving what she needed to achieve. And then she was pretty successful in the class. So that it's it's very helpful in a variety of ways, but mostly from a human standpoint, just um, recognizing people. We're Where people are culturally, and where they want to be or could be.
0: Klan, because in in my role with Global College and the Center for Digital Instruction, I'm the Director of Academic Operations and Student Engagement, and I worked with you extensively during the pandemic, uh, and I learned, I saw Chantel, we're we're on a Teams call right now, and I saw Chantel taking all these notes about all, just what she was saying, um, and I learned so much from you during that time, uh, and you also tirelessly promoted uh, trying to get people to interact online. And I really appreciated and admired and learned a lot from you. um and i I think right now when i we primarily have adult learners that are uh, in global college uh, seeking their degrees online, uh, and I, I one of the things as I tell them about the WCC is i I do try to prepare them that the consultants they'll work with are traditional undergrads. And that can be a barrier for adult learners to go to someone much younger than them and and be vulnerable uh, and, you know, bring a paper and not, you know, and have this young person uh, showing them or or even, you know, marking up papers. That can be a real barrier. But I I know one of the things that I hope helps, um, helps them seek out the WCC um, even though that might be there, is that your consultants are, they're trained, they're highly trained. These are not just students who happen to be good in an English class. Um, they're taking very specific courses uh, to do this. And you may, and you do take great pains to call them, to make sure that people know they are consultants. They are not tutors. Uh, they are consultants. So I, that language I think is really important. So I guess, um, is there anything, is there anything that, um, that you uh, work with your consultants on uh, about maybe making graduate helping graduate students um, who are older than them or are uh, adult learners who may be coming back to finish up their bachelor's um, how to make them feel comfortable um, accepting and and seeking the WCC out yeah.
5: Yes, um, we, we get a lot of traffic from the MBA program, and this year we connected, well, we already were connected in one way, and we connected in another way with the Master's in Engineering program, and uh, part of that the practicum class that they, that they take, there's one whole unit on uh, non-traditional students or uh, students who are working on their Master's and things like that, and it, it really has not been a problem. They... Um, There was one professor in the MBA program, uh, who's now retired, who was one of those on the edge of requiring um, all the students to come to the WCC. And they came and didn't seem to miss a beat. In fact, there's one, she's now graduated in, in the world with her MBA, but she had graduated from CBU as an undergrad in 2001, like my first year at CBU. And she was a consultant like for 30 minutes and then she was gone. And um, and I see her out and, ba- out and about in the city. And then she came back for her master's and she comes walking in the door. She's like, I am so glad to be back here. And she had been a consultant and works in marketing does all kinds of writing, and she sat down with the undergraduate consultant. She knew, of course, the ropes, and she knew she had done the same thing back in the day, so she knew a little bit more, but she's a highly successful writer, and she did it. She she knew the, 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 the benefit. So it really with through the training and also talking to the faculty again and clarifying that uh, – this is not just a bunch of people who made a good grade in Comp 2. In fact, some of them might not have made A's in Comp 2. It's not necessarily the grade, it's more of a ability to work with students and think logically about information. Uh, So once I work with the professors and students come and then they tell their friends it it seems to roll pretty well and has for all these years master's in edu- education as well we work with in fact last year we this is in our physical space and I want to um, see about doing uh, something similar online, we had uh, one of the Masters in Engineering classes set up two or three days of just workshopping and the consultants divided the class up into groups and they worked on these projects. And our WC Online gives us opportunities to do that, to get people into groups, kind of like you can do a, a Zoom a room or that kind of a Zoom grouping kind of thing. We can do something similar with that. So I want to, I didn't get that in place this year, but that's something I'm gonna look into next year. But yeah, it's not really a problem after the, the practicum training and, and faculty conversations and stuff.
1: What I'm I'm hearing from you, Clan, is is really good, first of all. So so thank you again for the work that you're doing. Uh, but I also hear a a whole lot of theory that backs up where you are currently did you did you go to school for this and or did you just happen to come into this position as a teacher and you felt the need to to create a a writing center and so you you've kind of grown this organically what's what's this look like and I'm kind of going back to uh Kyle's question about you know how do you get this thing off the ground if someone is listening to this podcast and they say, man, we, we really need this. Do they need to go to school for it? Or, or is there some place that they can go or, or listen to or talk to somebody that would help them establish this kind of uh, center for their institution?
5: well my my background is rhetoric and composition I, that's what my PhD is in and so the large majority of the people who direct writing centers are going to be in that field of study if they're not they will have gone and received some sort of um, certificate or something but usually either a master's or a PhD in something something in communications rhetoric that that area some some are in creative writing there's some directors in creative creative writing as well. Um, There's a bit of on-the-job training, but my background made me uh, able to just walk right in the door and do it. I I didn't see myself, it's one of the things that rhetoric and composition people might do. They might be a writing program administrator, they might be a writing center director, and a few other things like that. It wasn't something I considered when I was in grad school, this is what I want to do, Uh, I want to end up in writing centers. Uh, my grad school writing center wasn't that good. Uh, It's actually really good now. I've met the director, and she's doing wonderful things, and I loved the director back in the day, but it didn't operate the way we operate now. I think theory has shifted. In case she's listening, I don't want her to feel really, really badly um, because it it wasn't that bad. It was it. And it was a lot of institutional problems. Anyway, let me move on. Um, I, but I, my a good friend from grad school who um, in her first job sort of fell into writing center work, and she and I used to room together at conferences. And she just talked about this world of writing center people, and I decided I would check into it. And so at my last institution, well. 23 years ago, Mercyhurst College, Mercy, now Mercyhurst University, I ended up directing their writing center and just fell in love with the community and the work. And uh, Mercyhurst was similar to CBU in some ways. We had the Mercy mission, like we have the Lasallian mission here. So there were similarities. And so when I um, ended up at CBU uh, over the next few years, I did a lot of the same sorts of things I had done at Mercyhurst and one thing that the that that is really helpful with growing writing centers is to really get involved in the community because they're really nice people the writing center community are really so loving and kind group of people. They're sort of like a bunch of Lasallians that they just don't know they're Lasallian yet. Um, In fact, when we went to Vancouver in the fall, one of my consultants who went with me, who had never been to a conference before, was worried about our research and and how um, the questions we might get. And I said, yes, you'll get questions, but they will be so kind with their questions. They will not be critical. It'll be a conversation. No one will judge you, which is what writing center people do. So I would say getting involved in the community and especially on the regional um level uh and getting to know um who are the leaders i'm i'm good friends with our state representative the last two state representatives there's we have a director's day in tennessee i make sure i always go to that and we have um, a, a conference just for Tennessee consultants every year. I make sure that we get to that, even though we're way over here in the West and we have to travel to get there. It's, um, we make sure that we always, I get some consultants to that. So we make sure that we have this community alive and and well. Does so answer, that answer your question?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Wonderful. Really good.
2: Uh, clan we spend a lot of time here on the podcast, or at least have historically, talking about the overlap between a Lasallian philosophy and the notion that we can do this online. Because I think that at, at the beginning, when we started off, a lot of folks might have seen those two things as mutually exclusive. And I'm wondering if the same uh, notion is true about the overlap between LaSallianism and, or, or sorry, uh, online and writing center uh, is, is, to what extent do those things kind of overlap? And did you, did you learn anything, I guess, or did you move the writing center in a different direction as uh, a result of our experience with COVID?
5: Absolutely. I, I mentioned earlier we learned that we can consult outside of our physical space. The the consultants had to go online, and the interesting thing of all years in twenty twenty that spring of twenty twenty, I lost five very strong consultants. They had been to conferences. They had they were part of the reason why um, people were were saying you should host the next SWCA conference because they had seen CBU students at the at the conferences and they graduated and they were excited about my saying that we were supposed to have done it the next year and then the next year, but COVID kept delaying it. That's why we just now got around to doing it this year. We've COVID kept delaying our hosting, but anyway, they, they were so uh, strong. They said, we will do as much as we can before we graduate. And then we'll come back because we can't miss this. This is so wonderful. Um, and then COVID happened and then they left, because I knew I was going to lose five students, I hired, I typically will hire over the course of the summer and then they start their practicum class in the fall. And I knew that I needed to be on top of it. So I hired like in January that year. And then we started the practicum class in the second eight week term of that spring 2020 semester, which was all online. Uh, usually I work really hard to form community with new consultants so they can work with each other and troubleshoot with each other they see each other in the space they do all these things oh no we did this all online they did not even get to know each other they met by looking looking at screens you know and when the fall hit and we were primary well we were 100% online they started five new consultants started their their work online and uh, only Two, I think, were returning, so they were they were comfortable because they had been working online in the spring. They were part of the ones who would gotten, you know. But not only were they brand new, they also had to start working alone in their homes online with no one to talk to. I still am in awe that we stayed afloat. <laughs> that they, they did it, and they talk about that now. They now know each other. We now have um, they we have have had time together and they get along great. We have that community thing happening, um, but they talk about how isolating that was. So I've worked really hard to make sure, uh, hopefully we'll never have another pandemic and that situation show up, but I I make sure that pe- we have that community building process anyway. Even though someone might primarily be working online now, they know someone they can get in touch with. They can say, hey, would you take a look at this paper with me? Am I on the right track here? Even though they may be working online, they can get in touch with each other. And they they will. They do that. Uh, often uh, will I'll find out about a whole conversation that took place Uh, behind the scenes because they'll say oh we had this thing happen and look at what we did Um, the other thing is we everyone has the option to do online and in person they everyone gets trained all the time now and so we can go either way even though we want to have a nice balance and sometimes I I will override someone's wishes because both ways I'll say we have too many online hours on this day we need to have some more in space hours or vice versa like don't you want to put some online hours? We don't have anything happening on Tuesday nights, for instance. Uh, could you could you work on Tuesday nights? So I, we're we're more much more balanced than we ever were um, because of the the pandemic, and everyone gets p- trained now. And um, I I, I I can get into the system and see what they're doing. They're not out out there doing things that I have no idea what they're doing. I can look at their chats. I can look at all of those things and I'm always checking up and making sure and they know that I could check at any time, but I don't really worry about them because they were strategically chosen in any way. Um, and they come from faculty recommendations, I guess I didn't, from across disciplines. So that's kind of where we
3: are now with online stuff.
2: Great, thank you. Mm-hmm.
3: Plan. thank you for for talking about how you're um, fostering building relationships, uh, team relationships online even, and, and relationships between team members and the learners that they're supporting. Um, our team can relate. I am our resident. COVID baby. (laughs) I was hired during COVID and at the time, our campus was closed for the year. Basically, I did not get to meet my team in person for one full year. But the thing that kept me connected to them is the FaceTime that we had with each other. I think at that time we we met for a little while every day for a while, <laughs> and it I just immediately fell into a family and um, even though I was in my living room, you know I had I had this family that I was connecting with. So when when we did finally meet in person, it just it just everything fell right into place, you know. And so it sounds like you're doing the same thing with reaching out. I love that you mentioned balance because we can have a little bit of both. And there's, there's ways we try to talk about how to build relationships in online environments that might seem foreign sometimes uh, to um, people, or instructors that are building courses online, but there are ways to build relationships in online environments. So thank you so much for touching on that.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Panetta. This has been an informative uh, podcast for us as a, as a team. Uh, and we're hopeful that this is informative to people outside of, of Christian Brothers. We know the service that takes place for our students all across the board, both. I, I was I was here, I remember um, coming on staff, listening to one of the graduate professors in business talk about requiring their students to go meet with, with you folks. Um, and I know that the results have always been good, so... Thank you for that. Clay, and there, there may be people outside of, of us that would be interested in contacting you about uh, more info- information about how they could set something like that up. Would you mind uh, sharing some contact information?
5: Sure. Uh, you, I- you can get in touch with me through our website, which is www.cbu.edu slash WCC. My contact information is there, but more directly, my email is cpanetta at cbu.edu.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Great. Thank you, uh, Dr. Panetta, again, for joining us. Um, We appreciate your work and what you've provided so Uh, On behalf of the CBU-CDI team, thanks for being here. uh, And we hope uh, you, those listeners, uh, will continue with us on this journey as we seek to bring the LaSallian Way online.